Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast that's all about taking the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino of Invictus Capital, joined, as always, by Dan. He has more than 4% battery life on his remarkable left. Kruger. I feel battery rich compared to you right now. You're um, battery broke. I'm anemic. I'm looking down at my my electronic paper. Stressful. And you know the great... so. I'm all about tools and software and hardware, like in headphones, like you, gadgets. We love gadgets and we have these gadgets, these remarkables, and they're really just digital paper. It's and an etch sketch. It's an etch sketch for adults and it's great for note taking. I recommend it highly. It's a great device. And yet my battery is about to die and I'm reminded it is not. Paper never runs out of battery, right? So, but it does run out of ink. I guess the pen does. So anyways, we have officially blown one minute of this 10-minute episode on the banter. Now it's time to get into the meat and potatoes. So mm. let's talk about the three ways to value a building. This is top of mind for us right now because we just had the appraisal come back on a building, um, which it came back for like 200000 more than what we have it under contract for. So huzzah, that always feels really good to know that you got some baked-in equity from day one. Yay. But as you go through the appraisal report, which is often a pretty dense appraisal report, um, there's a lot of really good information in there, and you'll notice that there are a couple different ways that the appraisers use to value a building, and then they kind of take this weighted approach to figuring out what the final number is going to be. And so we thought it would be interesting to talk about what those three methods are today. So, Dan, mm -hmm. what's number one? Yeah. So number one, I guess, would be the number one. Uh, the number one on our list is, is probably the one that most people think about because it's what gets talked about. But for those passive investors out there, you might not have seen these reports before. So you might not be aware that there's actually a couple different things they're looking at. So the number one way, the one that matters the most, which we'll knock on first, is the income approach. And that's where the appraiser is going to take a look at the rent roll and all the income for the property. And the expenses they are going to look at the P&L and they're going to find out what that NOI is. And they're going to apply a market cap rate uh, to that NOI to, de to, to derive a value. Uh, and that is what we talk about all the time on this show because it's an amazing way to value a property because it's very black and white. It's quantitative. It's not subjective. It's, it's something we could wrap our heads around and not have to worry about some, you know, market emotional nuances negatively impacting our value like you get in smaller properties where it's all based on comps so the income approach is you know the bread and butter of the the commercial real estate whether it's uh, apartments or industrial or, or retail like it, it's how you value a business because when you're buying a business whether it's an apartment or a hardware store or mcdonald's you're buying the cash flow right you're buying a, a, a machine that spits out x number of dollars every month and you're paying a certain price based on how much money that's spent. That's basically it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so within the the income approach, you know, 
to, to, to value a building, it is a simple formula, which is NOI, which is our net operating income divided by the cap rate. And so the NOI is the, the delta between our revenues minus our expenses, and that's going to be your profits. So NOI. Now, the cap rate, what's really interesting in these appraisal reports is they have a couple different ways that they come by the cap rate. And we're not, this, this episode is not going to dive into what exactly the cap rate is. That is kind of a complicated topic. We've done other podcast episodes on this, so go look at those up. But just generally, the cap rate is a, a, a sentiment of market um, sentiment. It's a mark of market sentiment. Uh, you guys might have caught that. My phone just rang. I should have put that in silent mode. So I apologize for that for the listeners at home. Um, it's live. Yeah. So, but what's interesting about the appraisal reports is that the, the cap rates are derived in a couple of different ways. They, they'll look at past sales. They'll look at local opinion. So they'll go and like uh, reports. some brokers. They'll reference. look at reports. Yeah. yeah. And so that is kind of a, a comparables technique there where they're looking at what's the cap rate. So, mm-hmm. That's the, that's the most important thing when it comes to valuing a multifamily building. But it's not the only thing. I would say it's, what, 80, 80%-ish? Yeah, it really, I think it depends on the appraiser. We've had you know, several over the years. From what I can tell, when they weight the, the value they come up with, they, they typically apply about 80% of the value to the income approach. And then there's another approach that they use that uh, can some kind, sometimes get factored in by about 20%. And then the third one we're going to get to will we'll probably get to not get doesn't there. get too factored in yeah. too much. So the number two thing, and if you own a single family home or like a primary residence or a duplexer, you're going to be more familiar with this form, which is comparables. And that is, you've heard my story before. I owned a triplex, my first property that I actively managed and it appreciated by 125,000 in nine months. It was not because I added more income or decreased expenses. It was merely because all the houses around me were selling for a lot more than what I had paid for mine. And so based off of comparables and what other buildings of a similar build are selling for, that's going to derive the value of your building. Yeah, which worked out well for you because you got uh, some appreciation out of it. Mm-hmm. But what is uh, can be aggravating or frustrating, which it was for you because it, it was a catalyst for you to kind of switch to a different type of product, was that could have easily gone the other direction and it was completely out of control. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much money you put in. It doesn't matter how much money the, the property is producing. It's what Gary sold his house for down the street that's really going to impact you. And what if Gary's having a bad day and decides to sell his house at a 50% discount? Yeah. He's lost, lost who, his mind. Who, I mean, Gary could have all sorts of reasons. Maybe COVID hit him. He was a service worker. He's out of job. He can't hit his, yeah. he can't, he can't make his mortgage payment anymore. So he gets foreclosed on. Like there's all these strings of things that could affect the value of your home. And in large multifamily, they do still use comps a little bit, but it really only accounts for maybe 10 to 20% of the overall weighted valuation that you're going to see on appraisal. And so those are the two primary. We've got our, our income approach and we've got our comparables approach. And the third approach, which doesn't really get used in the appraisal, but it maybe does come in handy if your building ever burns down. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, yeah, I was going to say it's used in other uh, classes of a multifamily uh, more readily, I think, because it's more applicable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We'll get to why in a sec when we break the news on what it is. So what is it, Dan? Oh, my goodness. Uh, replacement cost. Um, so for our properties, we're you know we're buying these things in our area for hundred, hundred and twenty, maybe one hundred and fifty thousand dollars per door mm-hmm. to build a new building to replace one that burnt down. It's two hundred, two fifty a door, mm-hmm. right? So that 
component doesn't really matter. Yeah, you really. couldn't build it, first of you all. You can't. It's <laughs> too expensive to build these days, so you can't create the same thing. You're going to be creating a, a different thing. So the replacement cost for us is, I mean, sometimes an appraiser will throw something on there, I think, but nine times out of 10, I'd say 9.9 .9 times out of 10, it's completely disregarded. Now, if you're going to be buying a new construction, I'm guessing that replacement cost is going to be a bigger factor. But for us, it's kind of a non-issue. It's an issue on the insurance. Right? You want to make sure that your insurance has that appropriate replacement cost so that if it does burn down, if your building does burn down, you're, you're, you're good. Um, but as far as the, the value in the property and determining what you're going to pay for it when you buy it, it's almost a, a non-issue. And, and that's an important thing. Let's just point this out real quick. It has nothing to do with like the valuation of the building for the bank's purposes. But from an insurance perspective, if, if you only insure your building for the replacement cost of like what you paid for it, well, that's not going to be enough. Because you're not going to be able to build that building for that amount. Assuming so, you want to build it again, so. yeah, and maybe you just want to take the the payout and walk away. Like, there's all sorts of different uh, you know different options here. For different folks. But if your plan Depends is, to, the business, if, if you're disappointed by your building burning down and you're like, I would like to have my building back, well, you better really hope that you you insured it at the actual re replacement cost, which yeah. is going to be a higher premium. So. And that's another topic for an entirely it's different episode. It's actually not that, honestly, on the stuff we've done, I've looked at like different scenarios and, and trying to like skimp on the replacement cost. It honestly doesn't change it doesn't that happen. much. You, I, I think so, you're, you're almost always better off over-insuring in those cases for the, the freak incident. Like, yeah, it's, it's nominal in the end. But you'll be you'll be really glad if you and, have it. <laughs> and most banks are going to require you to carry more threshold. than what you paid for. Almost every time we've done a deal, the bank is required more replacement cost than we paid for the building right so mm -hmm. if we paid but it still might not bucks, be enough to, to rebuild exactly, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. so you still got some room there to kind of make it work for you if for some reason you don't want to be able to rebuild again like Anthony said you could in a structure that's so that you get paid back for everything that you put into it and still do all right and make some money to get your returns and like it, maybe you just don't want to build something just walk away <laughs> just so, be done but yeah replacement cost is is a thing on appraiser mm -hmm. on appraisals Multi not super important. C and B class stuff like ours, it's really a non issue. Yeah. But it's so there. those are the three ways to value a building. We got our comparables, we got our income approach, and we've got the replacement cost. Hopefully, this episode was helpful. Maybe it brought you a little bit of value. And if it did, here's my hope, my wish, my expectation, my desire, my dream is that you would just go drop a review real quick. Go over to iTunes, take 30 seconds, leave your thoughts on the podcast so that somebody else coming along might get a little bit of value and think like, Hey, I should check out this podcast because Jim over here said some nice things in the reviews. Well, thanks Jim. Thanks Jim. We appreciate it, man. Come, come give us a fist bump at the next live event. And for everybody else, We'll see you in the next episode. Weren't we asking particular names for a while to leave reviews? I feel yes. like this should be Jim's. Jim, Jim's, Brenda. All Jim's. Um, Jim's and Brenda's and Garth, Gartholomew's. There are none. Let's ask yeah, Garth, names that are actually Garth. listening. Oh, Jim, Brenda, Marco. Marco? Marco. If you're a Marco. I know one Marco. Know at least one. If you're a Marco, Marco, today is your day. Go leave a review. We'll tag you in this I now we really will see you in the next episode. <laughs>
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.